Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast, Commonwealth Magazine podcast in partnership with Transit Matters. I'm your host, Josh Fairchild. And I'm your co-host, Jim Aloisi. Today's episode is brought to you by MBTA's PERC program. We're here today. It's an auspicious occasion, actually, uh, to have Fred Salvucci and Harry Madison with us, uh, two people who have been leading um, the effort to think differently about the possibilities uh, for sustainable mobility at the Alston Landing Site. I want to make note, the reason why it's an auspicious occasion is not just because they're with us, but because today marks the 50th anniversary of former Governor Frank Sargent listening and responding to people who were demonstrating in favor of sustainable mobility back in the 1970s. There will be a People Before Highways rally at the State House later today, and I know Fred and others will be there. It's an important occasion because it began uh, a period of time where the autocentric thinking of the 1940s and 50s and 60s began to give way to new kinds of thinking, thinking more about transit, thinking more about how to move people sustainably. And although they may, folks may not have spoken about these issues in the same language in the early mid-1970s, their thoughts then were aligned with our thoughts today, which is simply how to use opportunities that are before us to provide people with the kind of improved and sustainable mobility that responds to their values and reflects their needs. What's happening at Alston Landing is a great example of how to put this into practice. The Secretary of Transportation recently made a decision that was widely applauded, a decision to take the current viaduct portion of Interstate 90, the Turnpike, um, and to replace it with an at-grade highway. That decision will open up uh, many opportunities to make the Alston Landing location a key center for multimodal sustainable mobility, not simply for the immediate Boston region that it occupies, but for the region going out to Metro West and beyond to Worcester. This is perhaps the most significant regional mobility opportunity to face us in a long, long time. Um, and so with us, uh, as I said earlier, Fred Salvucci, former State Transportation Secretary, and Harry Madison, who's been, I don't know if you have a title, Harry, leading the, the local effort in Alston uh, to get this decision made properly and to think about what comes next. So what comes next? What, now that we know that the Secretary's made her decision and we generally think it's the right decision, um, how do we ensure that the opportunities that can be unlocked, whether it's West Station, Grand Junction, better bus transit, et cetera, how do we make those things happen? Fred, do you want to start? Well, uh, first of all, I, uh, I agree with your characterization of the symbolic nature of today and the uh, celebration that's taking place later today and the relevance to the uh, really good decision Secretary Pollack made uh, last week to definitively reject the, the old idea of rebuilding the viaduct and move in a different direction that's uh, uh, got huge potential for much better outcomes both locally and regionally. Uh, uh, I think it's useful to remember that when Governor Sargent met with the demonstrators, uh, they were who were demonstrating against highways that were going to destroy their neighborhoods. Uh, the Alston neighborhood had already been destroyed. 
uh, a decade earlier by the turnpike. And this viaduct in Alston is a remnant of the pre-Frank Sargent way of thinking about uh, building transportation in the city, and it did a huge amount of damage. So this is a chance uh, for the first time in a half a century, more than a half a century, to fix the huge mistake, the blunder that was made at that point in time. Like the decisions facing Governor Sargent at the time, what he announced 25, uh, 50 years ago today was not a conclusion uh, about what to do. It was a conclusion about what not to do, that he was not going to proceed with the highways. Uh, that then uh, launched... Uh, close to two-year process uh, where he brought in Alan Altshuler uh, to lead a review of transportation. And that review resulted in the definitive decision he made almost two years later that the highways, the Interbelt Highway through Cambridge and the Fens, the uh, I-95 through Jamaica Plain, uh, the I-90 that was going to go through the middle of Maverick Square in East Boston, that those were not going to happen and that instead a lot of transit uh, investment was going to take place. In between, there was a huge amount of work uh, by all the advocates to take what had initially been a neighborhood reaction. I don't want this thing in my particular neighborhood uh, to build a regional view of what could be good for all of us. Uh, there was already some success in that regionalization that led to the combined demonstration. There were people on the common not just from Cambridge, but from Jamaica Plain, Roxbury, South End, East Boston. There were people from all over the region who had come together on the idea of what not to do. And thankfully, Governor Sargent listened to them. But it took an additional year and a half to decide on what they agreed should be done, which was basically extending the red line out to Alewife without the, decide, the Sargent decisions that wouldn't have happened. The money to do it was the money that we didn't waste on the inner belt. Uh, the decision to relocate the uh, the Orange Line and build the Southwest Corridor with the parks and bicycle paths and much better transit and intercity rail. Those, the decision to refurbish commuter rail uh, with a regional impact uh, for the suburbs. It was not just an urban thing. There were a lot of suburbanites at that demonstration who participated, and that participation led to a really regional view. So in many ways, Secretary Pollock has taken that first step of saying, okay, we're not going to do that. The reasons she articulated were we simply have to be able to unite uh, South Alston to the river. That's a major objective. It's the first reason she mentioned for definitively rejecting the viaduct. And we have to have a decent river edge, not the skimpy eight-and-a-half-foot eight path that's there now. That's a good beginning. She opened the door to West Station happening early in the process. I think it needs to happen first. Um, so there's a great beginning there. Uh, but the, uh, the regional coalition that has begun to form but needs to be strengthened is a recognition that this isn't just about Alston and Brighton and Cambridge. This is about uh, Metro West and their ability to access, as, as you just pointed out, Jim. And maybe the way to focus people on that is on the fact that whatever else happens, that elevated viaduct has got to be rebuilt. 
and it is going to be miserable to take an automobile from the West into the city. And it's going to be miserable for the people in the automobiles from the Western suburbs. It's going to be miserable for people in Alston, Brighton, and Cambridge, because that's where the autos are going to spill into. So there's a, a potential for unification of these constituencies uh, to insist on delivery on the kind of regional rail solutions that Secretary Pollock's actually exploring right now. So the table is set for some really positive decisions to come out of this initial very good decision to say no to a mistake and to begin saying, okay, what's the right answer? So we've already mentioned uh, the Grand Junction and West Station, um, a train station that doesn't exist yet, um, but that we've already named. What, um, what are these two things, and what do they mean to the, the region, not only the local neighborhood, but also the further out to the West region? And how does the choice made by the Secretary uh, help facilitate them? So right now, Alston really serves as a choke point for people traveling in all sorts of directions, people traveling from west of Boston into the city, people traveling north and south between places like Dudley and Longwood and Harvard Square, and you know, 200,000 people a day between the Mass Pike, Soldiers Field Road, and local streets are all getting jammed up in Alston every single day. So it's already bad, right? The system's already broken, and Maybe some parts run better than others, but there's room for improvement across the board. Right? Commuter rail trains could have more space. They could run more frequently. The highway is, you know, backs up in both directions you know, every morning and every afternoon. So the opportunity is to create a whole new set of options for people, whether you're traveling east-west from Newton or Natick or Framingham or Worcester into Boston, if you're trying to get to Kendall Square, if you're going between Brookline and Harvard Square, there's just a great set of new possibilities with bus service, with rail service, for bicycle connections if you're in Newton or Watertown and trying to get into Boston or Cambridge. And now that those possibilities are possible, this project needs to add that balance so that it's not just a highway refurbishment project, but also a project that creates all these new options for people and their commutes. Harry, to your point, I think I look at this as an opportunity to make the connection powerfully that regional equity, we talk a lot about regional equity and we very rarely deliver on it the way we could deliver on it here, that regional equity can be married to also providing sustainable mobility in the inner core through this opportunity. So that, for example, we all know, as you pointed out, um, the Turnpike, Interstate 90, is basically a parking lot at peak right now. Uh, if there's something worse than a parking lot, I don't know what that is, but it's going to be that when they start construction, and that's going to be a 10, maybe 12-year process. This is not a project that, that is designed to increase capacity on Interstate 90. It's a project that was triggered by a safety issue, not a capacity issue. There is a capacity issue, but anyone who's familiar with the road knows it ain't going to get much wider uh, once you come out of, uh, enter Alston Landing and come into downtown. The best way to give regional equity to people in Metro West, in Worcester, to access jobs in, whether it's in, in downtown Boston or Kendall Square or Longwood even, is to give them frequent all-day 
service on the Worcester line. And to include West Station as a multimodal hub that provides people with options. It could be an option to get across to Cambridge on Grand Junction. It could be an option to get on a bus that has interesting new circulation in, in the inner core. And so I think your advocacy and the advocacy of, and I should say, by the way, they're, they're not here because we have limits into how many people can be on a podcast, but I, it would be re, we'd be remiss if we didn't recognize the efforts of Walk Boston and Livable Streets and A Better City, Rick Domino and Glenn Berkowitz and RAF Seven from Transit Matters, a lot of other people who worked with Harry and Fred to make this happen and who will continue to be working with all of us to figure out the right approach to next steps. But as a, as a local person, how do you think about this as a regional project where we can begin to change the, change the old ways of thinking that it's city versus suburban and think about this as a connected mobility system that helps everyone? So I think the way that it can start helping everyone is right now MassDOT has a team of engineers that are rightly very focused on technical questions about how to build this uh, you know, new highway in a very constrained, complicated place. What is also very important to have happening really right now is planning on the MBTA side to think about how do we start building this much more uh, you know, connected way of getting east and west and into the city. Because some of those things are going to take a long time, right? We're not going to have passenger rail on the Grand Junction next year or the year after. Uh, but there's a lot that can be done with buses, with improving the Worcester Line service so that the Worcester Line works better for everyone, whether you're in Newton or Worcester or Alston or downtown. And the, for this project to be a catalyst to say, hey, we've been thinking about building new rail stations in Newton for a long time. We should do it. Hey, if you keep waiting, that's just going to make it worse when the Mass Pike starts having lane closures and construction slowdowns in a couple years. Maybe it would be great to accelerate some of these good ideas that have been maybe on the shelf or maybe uh, plodding along. Do them now, and the headaches that are going to start in a couple years and last, as you say, maybe 10 years, will be that much uh, you know, more tolerable. Mm-hmm. Now, we know from commuter and trip studies, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, either of you, um, that there are quite a few people who commute from the west into the city that um, if they had options to get off at a, at a west station, for example, and they had meaningful bus connections that could take them to points north and south, that there's a lot of people that um, would and could opt for that, um, and that if we were to build a west station earlier, then that would in my mind, uh, mitigate some of the issues that will arise during construction. Um, is, that, is that a fair characterization of the situation? It, there's certainly no good way now to get from, you know, say, Natick to Harvard Square. Right? Driving's not a very good option. The, you know, public transportation doesn't really work either very well. So when you have two bad options, people tend to, to, to root for their, their car because it's more comfortable and a controlled environment. Yeah, so the sooner we start creating some better options and, you know, West Station connecting a rail network with a much more uh, effective north-south bus network, uh, you know, is definitely part of that. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. 
Time is money. Commuting can be a pain. Save time and money and make your commute a little easier with Perk, the new transit pass program from the T. With Perk, you get a monthly pass that automatically renews and get savings on your taxes. Ask your employer how they can sign you up. For more info, go to perk.mbta.com. That's perk with a q.mbta.com. Now, and Fred, the the Grand Junction, and for those who aren't familiar, we're talking about um, basically the BU Bridge, the, the the rail the rail bridge that goes under the BU Bridge um, between um, Boston and and uh, Cambridge. And did they decide to? As, is it a possibility, or did they make the decision to rebuild that as a, a two a two track bridge? There's there's supposed to be a commitment to rebuild it as a two track bridge, but it's not currently funded as part of the Alston interchange redevelopment. I think it ought to be. Uh, the idea of upgrading the, the Grand Junction used to be five tracks wide. Uh, so it's a, it's a wide corridor. It's got plenty of room for two tracks and the bicycle path that uh, advocates in Cambridge have been pushing to accompany the rail initiative. Uh, and uh, the ability to get across the Charles for bicycles is also seen as part of a multimodal rebuilding of the Grand Junction Bridge. So it would include the two tracks that are there now, but modern so they don't fall into the river, plus a cantilever so that people walking or biking uh, in Cambridge can cross over to the BU side and en enjoy the Charles River Basin or head west if that's what they want to do. So there's a lot of kind of local, regional, if you will, benefit to that. But the larger regional benefit is the one that you point to. Uh, there's a lot of data at MIT on origin des and destination of MIT employees who live in the region. Th those surveys that are done every two years show that people from Acton are much more likely to use public transportation to get to MIT than people from Newton. Now, the reason for that is if you live in Acton, you can take commuter rail to Porter Square, transfer onto the red line, and you're at MIT, whereas it's very difficult to do from Newton. West Station effectively is the Porter Square of the network. It allows people to get off of one vehicle and make other public transportation uh, choices, some of them by bus, some of them by, by rail. I think rail is the only really robust one in the long run, so we really need that on the Grand Junction. But I also think that we need to start uh, today and tomorrow, not 10 years from now. Uh, when we were confronted with the need to rebuild the Southeast Expressway in 1983, and all of us were terrified of what the, uh, what the pain was going to be on the, uh, in the Southeast Expressway territory and how angry people were going to be, and it was unavoidable. We had to rebuild it. Uh, because there were, there were literally holes in the structures that you could see through. So there was no avoiding this. Uh, we did a series of meetings all up and down the South Shore asking people what their ideas were for better ways to get to Boston without their cars. So we had suburbanites who normally resist having a parking lot in their town demanding that the state help them provide a parking lot and some park and ride options because they knew that the Southeast was going to be terrible for several years. So the 
creation of new options, that's where the Hingham Ferry came from, was out of that concern. It was one of the mitigation measures. It became so popular that it became, nobody remembers where it came from. It wasn't, it's not thought of as mitigation. It's just a neat way to get to Boston. So a lot of those ideas built new habits. They not only allowed uh, commuters to avoid pain, it allowed them to discover a better new way of doing things. So that we need to begin that now so that people begin to have options before the digging begins. As Harry said a few minutes ago, right now, if you go to Alston Landing in the morning, uh, I'm sorry, to uh, the New Balance stop, uh, it's a little, it's about three quarters of a mile from my house, so I, I, I take the 57 bus, I don't go there. But I'm told you often cannot get onto the train because it's so full. Uh, there needs to be more service, not in 10 years, there needs to be more service today so that people from Natick and people from Brighton and Halston can actually use this service in larger numbers so that when the digging begins, they've got some options. Even in advance of West Station, lots of people could be going to Back Bay Station and making reasonable transfers onto the Orange Line if there were more vehicles to carry them. If you're trying to make a commuter rail trip in the off-peak or on a Saturday, you know, good luck and pack a lunch. There's, it, it, the service is terrible. The vehicles are available. We, we need now to begin providing all-day frequent service so that people will see commuter rail is not this thing that's only used during the morning peak for some suburbanites, but is something that's used by everybody uh, all week long. And... Uh, MassDOT does have the flexibility. Uh, because that's a contracted service, you don't have to wait to buy new vehicles. You could negotiate with the current operator to lease some European equipment and run more frequent service now. This should be a great opportunity to test different kinds of equipment, to provide better service, to deal with the short-term issue, and learn from that experience what the best bets are for the long-term service. So there's a, there's a great opportunity before us here. And I give the Secretary a lot of credit because the platform to make these decisions is a decision she made last week, that we're not going to rebuild the viaduct. We've got to think differently. She opened the door to seeing West Station much earlier in the process. Those are the building blocks for for getting us on the right path. I think those are some great points. And I, I think that's a fantastic analogy to say that West Station is like the Porter Square of, of Alston and, and the Worcester line. And I think that that's something that uh, I'd like to start using to kind of give people the idea of what an impact it can have. As we're kind of getting towards the end of this um, session, I wanted to switch um, the topic just a little bit and look a little bit above the horizon. I think everybody's been focused on which model of rebuilding um, of, of the pike, but I'm thinking a little bit about the, the street grid that will be developed in the land that's freed up. Um, the last time we saw this large of an area be um, be designed as far as a street network, it was the seaport, and there was really bad congestion issues, and people are still going to be driving uh, on the pike and getting off. And So it, is that something that there's any idea around the design? Is it taking into, uh, into account um, local residents' uh, concerns? Um, and about how to disperse traffic and make sure we don't end up with another kind of seaport congestion issue. So I think the design of the local streets is really totally tied into everything we've been discussing, which is if MassDOT's plan is sort of for the status quo, minimal new transit improvements, 
kick the can down the road with the Grand Junction, West Station, maybe someday, but who really knows? Then the surface streets are going to be designed like little highways. They're going to be four, five, six lanes wide, and you're still going to have, you know, tens of thousands of cars, you know, coming through at rush hour because you have such a strong demand. For example, coming from Cambridge, uh, you know, down Western Ave over the Western Ave Bridge to get on the Mass Pike, because as we said before, sort of the only way to make that trip is sitting in your car in a whole lot of traffic. If we go the other way and say that there's so much that can be done with bus, with rail, and with longer-term ideas as well, but things that could be started you know, next year, the year after, is, then you can design a different kind of street grid because a whole bunch of those people you know, coming back from Central Square and Kendall Square you know, to head west at the end of the day might be doing that in a bus or a train instead. And when do those decisions get made, Fred? Is that already something that's been planned? I think they should be being made right now. Uh, if you try to use the number 66 bus that would take you across town from basically Brigham Circle, the medical district, uh, to Harvard Square, it's very full all the time. It, it, it's, a, it, it's very well utilized. It needs more service. If you try to use the number 70, uh, people from... Waltham and Watertown are taking a fairly long bus ride that gets them into Central Square, almost gets them to Kendall, could get them to Kendall. If you extended that a little bit and got them to Kendall and you increase the frequency, every, uh, every person who decides to take public transportation instead of using their car from Metro West is a victory. That's less competition for the limited road space that's there. But people make these decisions individually one at a time. So you're going to start giving them options now before the – it already is terrible enough, but it is going to get worse. So you're going to start giving them the options now to to create those possibilities for the future. But I, I think it, it's got to begin now. Yeah, I think that's the main issue is the status quo is already horrible. It's horrible no, ma no matter how you're driving through Alston. It's really bad. And it's getting worse. It's getting worse because – of a good thing, which is the economy is booming. There's tons of new development happening in Alston and Brighton and Central Square and Kendall Square and points west and all over, right? So every year, the, stat the status quo that today is bad gets worse and worse. In a couple of years, when this construction starts, it's going to go through the roof. And so while they're planning on designing a highway, there needs to be real planning starting now to look at how you create those other options, those bus and rail options for, again, people anywhere from Newton to Worcester and how, they're gonna, how their lives are going to be and their commutes are going to be for years and years and years while the highway is so, being rebuilt. Uh, the other point you raised, though, about the urban design of the streets, which Harry responded to in terms of they're going to be horrible if you don't let people have transit options. Secretary Pollock's decision also opened the door to that so-called urban grid being much more pedestrian-friendly because with the viaduct option, every all the local streets were going to have to get up and over that, and they were going to be very steep and not very friendly. By going to an at or below grade turnpike, which is what she announced, everything, including West Station, uh, occur at a lower level 
closer to current ground level or even slightly below. So that whole urban grid is much more walkable. Uh, you know, it's like, Im imagine the area uh, just to the south of Nealon Street. Uh, there were drawings of that area uh, back during the planning for the Big Dig that showed it as this wonderful urban grid that was going to be full of transit-oriented development. What got built is a moonscape. No one in their right mind will invest in that. There, there are these roads going up and down at excessive grades. We don't want that. Uh, it, it never should have happened on Nealon Street, and it shouldn't happen here. The decision that the secretary just made brings all that stuff down so that the urban grid will be close to at grade, and we've got the potential to make it, you know, really great. The other piece is there's the so-called flip, which is a more local issue, but it is a different way of thinking about the precise location of West Station that allows West Station to be earlier, which is very good, but also uh, makes room for a so-called Cambridge Street bypass. So you thin out the traffic among more streets. So you're not putting everything into one big highway-like, you know, local version of McGrath Highway, God help us, but into reasonably scaled streets at reasonable grades. So the secretary's decision really sets the table for these streets to be great. Now we have to work to make sure that they, they are great. Well, I think we have a unique opportunity here um, to do something that improves uh, sustainable mobility regionally and provides regional equity in a way that um, I think it's a once-in-a-generation opportunity. We've heard uh, the Senate president lead on this issue. She talks about regional rail, and she comes from Metro West and understands the importance of getting her constituents and people from that region in and out of job centers and other key destinations efficiently. The former uh, lieutenant governor, the head of the Worcester Chamber, also has expressed the support for using the Worcester line as a way to improve people's mobility in and out of the area. So the opportunity here, I think with leaders like Harry and Fred and others, is to do something that proves that um, you can have strong regional coalitions that help broad sectors of uh, the f people in Massachusetts um, by doing the right thing when it comes to figuring out next steps at Alston Landing. And I hope um, that we've cast some light on that today. I know that this work will continue and we'll probably provide podcast updates periodically as key events take place. But we're at a point now where we've certainly uh, can see some light at at the end of the tunnel, no pun intended, there's no tunnel involved here, but um, we know that there are possibilities here that can really become models for how we think about mobility, not just in the inner core, but regionally. And uh, thank you for your the work you've done and for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for having us. Thank you for the listener uh, for joining us, um, and please join us next time for another episode of the podcast.